Welcome, and thank you for listening to the Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Jaworski. The Recovery Executive Podcast is the only podcast geared towards addiction treatment center owners, executives, and directors looking to gain an edge on the field. Everything from operations, marketing, admissions. We want to help your center grow, and so we interview experts in the field to get insights into what's working now. The Recovery Executive Podcast is brought to you by Circle Social Inc., growth experts within the field of addiction treatment, helping with everything from marketing to operations consulting to admission staff training, anything and everything that will help your center not just grow inquiries and grow your census, but actually move the needle in terms of business results, whatever it takes. Today, we are interviewing Dee McGraw. She is a Director of Education and Event Services at C4 Recovery. She oversees a lot of their conferences, especially the events happening within them. Uh, She's wonderful. I met her a couple months ago at the AXIS Executive Conference for Addiction Treatment. They're probably best known for um, their West Coast Symposium Conference. C4 Recovery is probably best known for its West Coast Symposium Conference. It's a very large conference out in California held every year. Unfortunately, I was not able to attend this year, but I always hear positive things. I'm a very strong advocate of conference attendance. I've seen it have a very positive impact on not just my business, but the business of most attendees. There's so much to be gained by networking, sharing ideas, learning about trends, uh, and also just a very large impact from getting away and kind of stepping back from your own center or your own business uh, to get more of a bird's eye view of what's happening, things that you can take back and strategically implement. So I'm excited to have Dee come on. She is a 26-year veteran of the field. She has a lot of advice and a lot of wisdom to share with us. So with that, let's jump into the interview. Hey, Dee, so glad to have you with us today. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So you're with C4, right? You guys do a lot of conferences and other services within the addiction treatment and behavioral health space. So can you tell us a little bit about you, your involvement in the field, and then a little bit about C4 as well? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I think with last count, I've been in the field about 26 years. I started a while back in Kentucky doing working with the DUI programs um, and just really had a passion for the field and went back and got my master's in social work and then worked in prevention for six counties here in Michigan for a number of years and then coordinated the substance abuse training for the state of Michigan for um, about four years and then have been, that's where I met all the C4 folks and moved into helping them run the Cape Cod Symposium. And I think this is uh, my 16th year with them. Wow. Well, you've been in the field a long time, which is great. You know, I mean, it's always good to have industry veterans. And you've probably seen a lot, you know. Um, Can you kind of talk a little bit about maybe how you've seen the field change in those 26 years? Um, Sure. I'm happy to. Uh, I think a couple of the biggest changes were when the um, when managed care came around and we were looking at how we expect expected the payment structures to change and that actually may not sound a whole lot different from where we are today <laughs> um you know the more things change the more they stay the same right um and i think that that was a, a big piece for the field as going from or looking at how fee for service had always been done in the past you know you do something you get paid for that that block of time 
And then trying to have the shift to outcomes, you know, it was you know, 15 years ago. Mm. I'm saying, how can we, um, and I think it was a cost containment or cost savings measure uh, primarily rather than looking at the quality of services yeah. or looking at the outcomes. Mm. So maybe some of the language has shifted, and we hope that it is actually taking a closer look at what the outcomes are going to be in reimbursing for successful outcomes. Yeah. But that's, 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 hope that's actually how C4 was founded. We're in our 31st year this wow. September, and it originally was the Coalition for Outcomes-Based Benefits, oh, which really? was founded 31 years ago uh, on the premise that addiction services should be um, uh, provided based on what research and science says is the most effective way to deliver them mm-hmm. rather than what insurance will reimburse for. Sure. So we've been fighting that battle for 31 years. It's interesting that it's still we definitely haven't made as much progress as I would like. Um, you know, for listeners, I, I often talk about outcomes, and we had our entire podcast on that with Joanna Conti from a Vista Research Group. You know, mm-hmm. outcomes are definitely the wave of the future, and now they're being forced upon us, which I think is good <laughs> by the Joint Commission and by yep. insurance reimbursers. Um, but that's a fantastic lead-in. You know, I admit, because you know, I'm in and out of treatment centers across the country as well, and there are definitely centers that probably have been doing the same thing for 30 years in terms of treatment, and then there are centers that are, are adopting a lot of different approaches. Um, and some of them are kind of newfangled, right? It might be like art therapy or equine therapy or um, biofeedback that's kind of new cutting edge. And then there are others that are, you know, constantly upgrading and looking at different evidence-based treatments in the field. So that re- leads really well into a question I wanted to ask you about conference attendance. So mm-hmm. I think when I see centers that are pretty progressive, and really kind of on top of the field and on top of what's working, they tend to get out a lot. They tend to be connected to conferences and other treatment centers in the field, whereas the ones that are kind of stuck in the past or haven't changed are the ones that never leave their centers. Um, So, I mean, do you see a similarity there? And what recommendations do you have for people that say, hey, I can't get out of my center, I can't get to a conference, you know, I'm too busy? Sure. No, and and it it is – Coming to an event, I know, is a is a strain on resources, both both time and, and financial. So it's it's important, I think, for an organization, whoever's putting on an event, to really look at providing the best return on investment. Mm-hmm. So as far as I know, the treatment providers are all looking at outcomes. Um, C four really looks at outcomes um, for for who our target audiences are. We really have three of them. So it's our attendees and it's our exhibitors and our sponsors. So it, it's important for us to really take a look at at, um, at what their needs are. So we, we find that we try and put together a very challenging program, one that is a combination of, of uh, skills acquisition, new techniques, you know, what is happening, what are other programs doing. And I think that we can all, as I said, the rising tide rises all ships mm-hmm. so that's what it kind of i think that our goal would be would be to provide a really robust review of what other groups are doing what other people are doing how other organizations are having success in what they do mm-hmm. what particular applications they use um we always 
and we do draw a lot from the field. We will draw a lot from the treatment facilities that are are looking to highlight things that they think that, that they're doing well. And most of them, well, actually all of them, are willing to come and share those pieces um, with the audience and things that they can take away. Yeah. So I think that it it does really help to focus on, so not only can you learn about, okay, what is someone doing well, but here's, we once did one panel that was really successful of like, here's a bunch of mistakes. <laughs> and it was yeah. it was great. A, uh, a great testament to their vulnerability that they were able to come out and say, you know, here's some things that we did. And it was really not a good, not a good thing. You mm-hmm. know, we probably shouldn't have done that. Or we realized in hindsight that, you know, here are some of our mistakes and don't make them. So you have the ability to learn from both ends of the spectrum, I think, for the, for those pieces. So I, I do hope that it, it um, allows folks to take a look at what's going on. And to bring back those things to their program that say, you know, we need to take a look at, at what we're doing. And, and, and if the program says, you know, what we do works and we're not interested in changing, I think the focus has shifted to making sure that whoever's coming in your door meets the right criteria for your program. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not so much that whoever comes through the door is right for our program. Yeah. It's more saying we're looking for the right people that are right for our program. Yeah, that's what we should be doing, right? And that's something we encourage uh, a lot of our clients to work on um, because they do tend to be having a one-size-fits-all approach sometimes. And especially, you know, if your census is down a little bit, you know, it gets a little bit challenging and and you're more likely to take on um, someone that might not be the best fit. But at the end of the day, long term, it can can hurt you, right, because you're not quite equipped to deal with that person's or their issue for whatever reason. Um, or it just puts a strain on and your philosophically, staff. Yeah, you know. completely. Philosophically, their needs may not be what your program is about. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it becomes, I think, an ethical decision on, you know, do we take in a client who might need something that we don't provide? Yeah. And the the intake, the, a really good assessment, really good, you know, your old biopsychosocial, you know, all that kind of assessment, I think, will would if you're doing it well, we'll really determine whether they are appropriate. And I think that that's the second piece that, you know, about some of our events that we try and do is facilitate that, that networking, that referral network Mm -hmm. so that, you know, if the census is low, you're not just counting on the people that are coming through your door. You are counting on the network of, of um, professional relationships that you have made that know that you do a really good, job they know that your program you know is strong in certain areas so you really are you really have a network even though they may be quote your competition um in 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 a good scenario if everyone is working the way that they should that you you get referrals from that from that strong network also yeah absolutely i mean a lot of our clients they definitely have a you know some of them have a pretty strong reliance on other treatment centers you know providing referrals and obviously they refer back and things like that um but when you have quality centers that they go in they see each other's centers they meet the staff they see what's going on um there's always opportunities whether you're in network with a different insurance or maybe i offer a certain level of continuum of care you know detox and um this other center doesn't. So there's always great opportunities there, I think, to connect with people. Uh, And like you said, you know, there's so much potential to learn in these situations. And I see it again with people that attend conferences and network and those that don't, they're just so far ahead of the game. 
And it goes both for, you know, kind of your executives, owners, directors, or maybe more business people that don't quite get the clinical piece. Like it's great for them to attend the clinical conferences and then vice versa. There's a lot of owners and execs that came from a clinical background. You know, I just met with an owner yesterday that's very clinical, you know, and for her, it was pretty hard to make a shift into the business end of things. And we were at um, the behavioral healthcare executive marketing um, and what was it, marketing and something retreat, you know, about two months ago. And it was just eye-opening for her because she was meeting with all these other business owners, you know, that could give her all this business advice because she's not a business person. She's a clinician, right? Um, so fantastic value there. And, you know, I saw that. I mean, we were at Access, right, not too long ago. And I saw the mm-hmm. same thing, right, so many people. And you guys just came back from the West Coast Symposium, right? We did. We yeah. did. Just finished on Sunday. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't make it to that one. Uh, definitely on the calendar for next year because I hear great things. But any, any highlights you want to, as long as we're talking about, any highlights from the conference you want to mention? Um, sure. I, we have a, a, a couple of things that were that were special for this year. We have a women's uh, executive leadership okay. um, training that, that we are, um, it's not C4s, we're partnering with Willow Institute and, and sort of being the, the host for them, they're going to be doing a series of those across the uh, across the country at at all events, and I think they had up to fifty um, uh, women. And you don't necessarily have to be an executive to come, but that's kind of the focus is really some leadership um, for for women, and really that peer to peer, which is what we find is the foundation of success mm-hmm. for anybody. So that was very exciting. And then we and we'll also have that at Core in Cape Cod on the first day, also. Uh-huh. Then we'll have, um, we debuted, um, again, looking at ways in which we could really kind of um, highlight some different uh, clinical skills and, and techniques. We had um, uh, an expressive arts therapy uh, track that we ran through uh, West Coast. And that was really exciting. The first time, and we had all of them were certified art therapists. Um, and we talked about how designing an art therapy program or how to integrate some art therapy within your program and also how you um, can't do certain things and call it an art therapy program. So that <laughs> okay. there are parameters to that, which, um, which I found very interesting. And mm. um, at one point talked about some reimbursement you know, issues and, and how it can highlight and really enhance recovery for some people that, really would like to experience or, or, or can find that as an outlet when some other things are difficult for them. Sure. So that was pretty <clears throat> exciting. So we had a record crowd. We had 1,342, which was actually an all-time record for C4 conferences, hmm. which previously had been held by Cape Cod. Well, but congratulations. Yeah, so that was very exciting. Yeah. Very cool. So you mentioned outcomes as a primary takeaway, or at least something that C4 is focusing on. I think the field needs to be focusing on. Um, but what else are you seeing? Because obviously you're talking to so many executives and centers. You talk to so many people. You see them across the country. Where do you think they need to be focusing these days? Is it admissions, marketing, clinical aspects? Like what's the important piece that I think you think most centers need right now? One of the one of the biggest takeaways that I had from someone that um, when I actually very first came into the education portion of the field was that to be to have effective change, you really needed to provide an opportunity for multiple people on the team to learn and learn the same message. 
Um, and it, that's always stuck with me because you'll find a lot of times someone will go to an event or, or hear of something and come back and say, look, we'd really like to change this or do something or, or integrate this. And it's sort of met with sort of a stone wall. And then it's like, you know, the other people don't see the vision or they don't get it. And it's a, a lot of those ideas die on the vine. So one of the things that C4 has done was try to integrate as many learning opportunities for an entire team as possible. So um, you'll see, we have run an executive leadership um, day, sometimes two days, depending on at each of the events. So we have an opportunity for that leadership to come uh, and, and uh, talk around whatever topic that we think is, is um, appropriate for the time. So a lot of it has been about ethics or a, a lot of it really has been about uh, your own program, taking a look at the, the, the payer mix, being in panels, what are the things that your organization can do? Where should, for a stable program, where should your, your, your peer mix be? What does that look like? Mm. You know, how do you get new business? What are new business markets? Those kinds of things. So we have that for sort of the executives and, or, and our leadership. Most of our programming um, that are all of the courses for every single workshop, uh, we apply for every single credential. So that includes some of the ones that, that aren't provided traditionally, like we'll do physicians, but we also do family physicians. Um, it's nurses, physicians, assistants, nurse practitioners, as well as all of our social work, psychiatrists, psychologists, licensed mental health, all that kind of stuff. So that all those can actually, and we don't run tracks per se for them, it's every single workshop. So that you can really have a good integrated mix within each workshop of whoever that's going to to, to be to hear that and then we also had um uh in response to a lot of the um discussion about ethics for business development and marketing um, a group came to us and asked about having a certificate course for uh, treatment um, marketers business development folks sure. so we have made that available through our courses as well um, and that's going to be a full 40 hours. It's like any other business professional that we believe that it's going to require a, a basic knowledge and still ongoing education. It's not something that you're going to learn how to do that in a day, but it, it covers a lot of the ethics, but it also covers a lot of business and trade shows and uh, marketing 101s and, and above. Um, so it's a lot of key learning around bringing um, professionalism to uh, to business development. And a lot of people already have some very sophisticated folks. And then a lot of people come up through the treatment facilities and then they're promoted into those positions without really having a background uh, in business or marketing. Yeah. So this can be something that really provides them with a sound footing. So anyway, so in the, the, that long-winded answer to your question is, we're trying to provide uh, an opportunity for all levels to come in and have uh, an opportunity to have that kind of education and training. So at whatever, whether it's an executive or whether it's a clinical or whether it's business development or um, part of the part of your intake or admin, there's something for everybody in that to challenge them, help them grow to the next level. 
Yeah, that's that's fantastic. You know, I think for listeners out there, they may have heard the podcast, but we did interview uh, Andrew Martin uh, a while back oh, good, from good. Behavioral Health Association providers, you know, talking about mm-hmm. ethics and marketing and the new certification course that they're offering. And it was, it was a really great interview. So I encourage anyone who hasn't heard it to go back and definitely check that out. Um, mm-hmm. You're looking at, okay, so there's all this value coming to these conferences, right? Uh, and I think you and I both see it. But some some owners or conference attendees, it doesn't have to be an owner exec, right? It can just be a clinician or anyone else attending. Um, maybe they're not so outgoing. Maybe they're not as comfortable with networking. Or maybe they're not sure what to do or what value to get out of conference. So what do you recommend in terms of both preparation before you go and when you're at the conference, what should you be doing to get the most value out of it? Probably from two areas. If you're looking to kind of broaden your referral network and you're like, okay, there's some organizations that I want to connect with. Um, we have two things. We, we list all of our um, exhibitors. I think we had 115 of them, hundred and somewhere around there for, for West Coast. They're all listed on our website. And for each of them, when you click on our map, a description of them comes up. So I think that an opportunity there would be to look through who's coming See who, who has something that you're interested in, who might be a good referral source, who might be someone that you, you know, it's like, okay, I, we don't provide, um, you know, disordered eating kind of pieces, or we don't have gambling, or we don't have any some kind of special something, or we don't do detox. And looking for people in which you can broaden your network and just stopping by. That's why they are there. Um, they are, are looking for quality people in which to engage in and develop. Uh, strong networks. So mm-hmm. there's that option as well. Um, the other thing would be that there's, if someone's like, you know, wanted to call me and say, look, I, I will want to, you know, have figure out how I can meet some people or, you know, this is what I'm looking to do. We're happy to try and broker some introductions to some folks. I know it can be kind of clicky. I find that our mm-hmm. field is one in which you have to kind of earn your chops. Yeah. You know, you, you need to be there. You need to show that you are going to be around. There's a lot of folks that come and are gone the next year right? Um, or within two years. Um, so I do find that a lot of folks are cautious in developing those new relationships because they really are looking for longevity. Yeah. So that it's hard to kind of break in sometimes. Um, and, and we're happy to facilitate that. One of the reasons that we also know that that's the case we c4 looked into how we could facilitate that we actually have a program that we have um called c4 links and that's l-i-n-x and what that is is a um it's uh, a combination of sort of like the linkedin and sort of like a match.com so there's no dating in the in this <laughs> but it, it is a it is a blind introduction that is really based on your needs and um, the more detailed of a sort of a survey that you fill out, like this is what I'm looking to find. These are the types of things I'm looking for, that kind of thing. The, um, the um, artificial intelligence, the algorithm then makes and pairs you with people who are looking for something similar. You hmm. can't ask to be introduced to anyone and no one can be asked to be introduced to you. It's all, it's a blind kind of thing. Hmm. So for us, it sort of took out the the hard push kind of sell and made it so that that it was a true match based on what people were looking to create. 
and gives the opportunity. And as I said, it's a blind introduction, meaning that, that if you say no, that's not a good match, the other person isn't notified of this. And the same thing. So that there is no fear of reprisal if you turn someone down or you don't select yes. Um, it truly is um, one that's based on, on a pure networking kind of thing. So at that point, once we have that established, and I think it's going to be, I think it's free for the first year, so that um, we really are looking to try and um, uh, develop those types of networks. And to do that, hmm. then we can have communities that are developed within that. So if you want to learn more about a specific kind of, of technique or therapy or a, or a networking group, that you can really create those and begin to ask some of those questions that are uh, yeah, I don't really have anywhere else to go. It's not it's not something that I can easily find the answer to or that you feel comfortable asking to a group that you don't you don't know or don't even have access to. Sure. So, so that, very interesting. So is that something we try to do? Is that something that they can access through your website or where do we, where do we find that? Yeah, you can go through our website. There will be uh, an, uh, a C4 links option through there or I think you can just Google C4 links and it's L-I-N-X. That okay. Very interesting. Um, jumping off of some of your points, what I would recommend as well to listeners that are maybe going to conferences for the first time or thinking about it, but like you said, outreach beforehand, I find incredibly valuable. And often mm-hmm. the best place to do that is LinkedIn. So, you know, go to the conference schedule, see who the exhibitors are. It's always posted online. And then start searching LinkedIn and making some connections and seeing if anyone else is going or who's going from those organizations. Because that way you can set up your meetings beforehand or at least get a chat going and get to know people. Uh, the other thing I would mention, I'm sure you've seen this too, is like you said, there there are a lot of people that kind of come and go in the field. So you know, showing up at a conference one time is not necessarily going to be beneficial. Uh, you might have to show up two or three years in a row before people start to take you seriously. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a great point, Nick. I had, when I first started, uh, Fred French, who was the founder of the Cape Cod Symposium, had said to me uh, when I went with him to talk to our exhibitors, he says, I, I need a three-year commitment from you. Mm. He said, and it's nothing that we ask for on paper. He goes, I'm just telling you that if you want a return on investment, you need to be committed for three years. He said, mm. that, that's, uh, and if you can't commit for three years, this is probably not the place for you. Um, because that's when we find, and it's, it's shortened up a little bit, but that's when we find that really folks are embraced at that point. And they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, I remember. I remember, and let's go back, and then tell me again about what you do. You know, you've sort of passed the, the test a little bit for, for being able to stick around, and people are, are able to uh, then be more willing to, to develop those kind of networks. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense, you know, and, you know, a little related there, but I would say that even for internal staff, right? Like I see centers whip through marketers and business development reps in like 60 to 90 day windows. <laughs> and that's not even, yeah. you know, yeah. fast enough to learn the role, much less get into the company, understand what happens yeah. at that center and make relationships, you know, so people, um, again, they're, they're looking for too fast of a fix, right? They're looking for tactics rather than relationships and, and it doesn't work. Um, so well, definitely the heads, a the lot of the heads on beds mentality right. doesn't, you know, doesn't translate. I think it's very stressful for the business mm-hmm. development people, extremely mm-hmm. stressful. And it yeah. may be easier if you poach someone from somewhere else. Uh, we see a lot of that, you know, um, folks moving from one, one place to one place. Right. Um, um, so I, 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 I do think it's very stressful. And again, I think that's a good reason for um having the opportunity to 
to network and, and to be introduced and to seek out those people who are, who are known in the field for people for stability, longevity, and, and strong ethics. Yep. And say, you know, I want to, <laughs> I want to know what you do. Right. I want to know what you're, you know, how, how have you gotten where you are? What is your success? How can I, how can I do that? And I know that most all the ones that I have talked to um, have all been, I would be happy. I would be happy and honored to work with some of those people. Yeah. And so I think it's just a matter of just, you know, uh, approaching them and saying, I, you know, I'd like some help. Tell me what I need to do. Yeah, for sure. So on a non-serious question, uh, you know, I think I told you last time we met that I am a horrible golfer. Like I'm awful. I never golf, <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of these yeah. events have like a golf section, you know, your conferences do other conferences do. Um, so, you know, I, I braved it and I went out there and I was awful and I put up a lot of divots, <laughs> but what would you say to someone who's not a golfer or very good at it? You know, is, is it worth participating in the golf days? I would, I cannot hit the broad side of a barn, even if I swung just the club <laughs> itself. So I, I, I feel your pain on that. I, um, I would definitely say yes. I and most, anybody I to talk to that, that's thinking about it. I say, do it. I said, it is a, um, now some folks will come with their foursomes already done, which is great. Some, some will come as twos and, and I try to do the very just best job that I can to, to put foursomes together or to put groups together, um, that, that make good sense. Mm -hmm. And so, um, there are a lot of my C-suites and a lot of my execs love golfing. Right. So if you, if you want to learn and you want to to develop some relationships. And again, it's not going to happen in, in the couple hours on the golf course, but you you know, you, you get yourself known and then people learn what your character is and who you are and, and you begin to open doors. So I would say certainly that that is something that try to do. And we take all levels. Now I will say some of my golfers are super serious. They are, they, they're out and they're out right. to win, but they right. usually come with their foursome already done, yeah. but they are super gracious. And, um, there's, it's, it's a place where there's a lot of camaraderie. So I think that that's, it's, um, it's a really good place to do. And I, I would say that there's, we, have some opportunities for folks that, that just absolutely just can't golf <laughs> as mm -hmm. far as for how they can network and meet some people out there and increase their visibility through some of the, the a few of the sponsorships or some of the, the higher visibility pieces for the organization or for sure. individuals. But I would highly recommend it. Um, I've never had anybody say um, it, it was horrible <laughs> and I hated it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that that's a good, I think that that's a, it's a, it's a good plan. So I think speaking from my own experience, you know, there's definitely a mix of levels. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be paired with people that just didn't care or maybe were as bad as I was. Uh, so it's, it's definitely worth maybe talking to you or other conference organizers to let them know and say, Hey, you know, I'm not so good at this. Can you pair me with someone that doesn't care? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, the embarrassment a bit. No, they're good. And we usually do the scrambles. So it's the best ball. I mm -hmm. think that you, I think that you have to hit at least Thank one, <laughs> yeah. one, one ball. I think that that's, that's it. Like swing one time and then, then I think you're, you're, you might be done for that. And then the rest of the team can sort of can pull the weight. Can pull the weight. Um, but yes, it's, you're out there for fun and, um, and, and networking and, and, and I can guarantee you we can have that for you. 
Yeah, for sure. And it is such a valuable opportunity because really at the conferences, you're in and out, you know, presentations and workshops and things so much like you feel crunched for time when, you know, even when you get to the chat with people in the hall. So I found yeah. that the golf is just a great opportunity to kind of relax. It's not, you know, you're not getting into heavy business conversations at all. It's more for fun, but you get to know people um, and you get to learn a lot. And so, yeah, I, I highly valued the golfing, even though I'm really bad at it. Yeah, I was talking to a, a different business owner. He runs a bunch of marketing for various companies, and he lives on a golf course. I was asking him, I'm like, I just, I'm just curious, you know, I, I see these homeowners that live on the golf course. I always feel like they're judging me <laughs> when I'm golfing. He's like, is it happening? He goes, yeah. He goes, every time I see a bad golfer out there, I just get a little bit sick to my stomach. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so it's true they're judging me but anyway it's fun that's good uh so we talked a lot about the exec level conferences you know and we talked a little bit about the clinical conferences so can you speak to that a little bit more clearly in terms of if i want to if i'm more interested in the clinical conferences where should i go if i'm interested in the exec or the business end of things where should i go and then as a follow-up to that, are there specific advantages to sending different staff to conferences, kind of like you mentioned, rather than just sending like this, always the business development reps or always your, you know, COO, something like that? I think it really sort of depends on, on what the organization's mission is. Um, I, I think that a lot of the clinicians are not empowered to maybe broker some of those relationships. It depends on what level they are. And, you know, in some programs, you are the clinical director and you're the, the director of marketing and you're the intake person in, you know, all the above. So, sure. so it works. And some, there's a, there's a, a, a quite large hierarchy. So I think it really helps, again, to have folks listening to the same message. If you, you can see the program in enough of advance to take a look at what you think your program is looking to do or learn or branch into, and then make some decisions based on who in the team you think is the best to carry that out. If they go and if they come to the, you know, the executive track that we're, we're running um, and they're like, okay, well, in order, if we want, if we assume that some change is going to be needed, who do we need to facilitate that change? Who's going to have to make those decisions that, yes, this is the direction you want to move. And then really to to nurture the organization along in that change. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that would need to go. Um, if you're if you um, have uh, um, if the clinical staff or medical director or nursing director or clinical director or or some of your senior clinicians are able to make that change and say, look, we need to engage in some different therapies. We need to really have some more in depth training on how to do some of these other types of things then I think that um, you can take a look at what's available and, and empower them to come and say, here's some training and, and what else do we need? Um, we also have the ability in all of our um, surveys and our instruments to ask folks what they need. So if like, you know, we'd like some certifications in you know, XYZ, PDQ, whatever that's gonna be, that we can, we can have that. If we have enough people that want to do that, we can do a, a full day. I know, I know we've done a full day on DBT before um, and some of the other pieces. I think uh, we did a partial one on an EMDR. Mm. So we would like to be reflective of what the, what the field needs and what they're looking to do and to have and to explore. So it's a, it's a feedback piece for that. Um, all of our events are going to be ones that are driven by continuing education, all of them. 
so and again we have added the 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 business development and we've added the executive components to that so it's a it's a smaller piece um, but it's available at all of them our uh, evolution conference which will be coming up this will be our first one um, with that one it will be in los angeles in um, the end of january that one probably will not have executive at least this first year for us but it will be heavily clinical um, and theoretical so it will have a little bit a different twist than some of our others. Um, yeah, that one sounds that. super interesting to me. I know I've been talking to you guys about that because I know it's new for you and you hadn't quite hammered out the program last time we talked. But, you know, I'm always interested in what kind of what's on the cutting edge of treatment and what are people doing and what research is out there. Because, um, you know, they, again, I'm, I'm all about outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of these conferences are also like in Florida and California, and so I'm in Indianapolis, and so it's kind of a hassle for us to especially get to the West Coast. Uh, but you guys also yeah. run some conferences in different places. You know, are there other options for those of us who are in the Midwest or in the Northeast? Oh, certainly. Well, what what we have begun to do this year is we have a series of webinars that we're hosting. So we are taking some of the workshops that are either some of the most popular ones or the ones that are some niche audience that we might not think we might pull enough at the conference to, but we mm. think nationally we will and, and doing webinars online so that, and we will archive those too. So they'll be available. There's no charge for those. We don't have CEs for those as of yet. Um, that's um, uh, we're, we're working up to that hopefully for, uh, for next year. But we can also be very uh, responsive. And if folks are like, hey, I'd like to learn a little bit more about uh, a certain topic, you just email me and say, hey, we'd like you to, to, to do something with this. Um, we have faculty from all over the world that are excited to put something together. So all we have to do is ask to make that happen. Um, and if we get enough requests on something, you know, we can make it a full day training or a, or a half day or whatever the, whatever the field needs. But that's what we're doing for right now. We do not have any plans as of today to put something in the Midwest, although that's mm-hmm. our next target market that we'd love to do something. It's growing. Love, it's love, growing. love Come to on. do something. <laughs> and, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. Tennessee, um, Kentucky, I, I Ohio, put... right? Indianapolis a little bit yeah. or Indiana a little bit. Um, yeah. Illinois is fairly big, you know, so there's, there's a lot going on here. Come on, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Would love to. You're like, I'm a Kentucky girl, so love right. to go back near home. Sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I think the, the webinar things are a fantastic idea. I, I actually don't know if you know, but Susan actually asked me, I will be speaking on the marketing topic coming up in September for the webinar. So I'll be excited Fabulous. to be there. Yeah, that'll Excellent. be an interesting topic for everybody. Uh, okay, so we've talked a lot about the conferences, you know, and what I've found, there, there's definitely a circuit, right? There's a circuit of people that come around and they speak all the time. Uh, are there any standout speakers? Like if I'm looking at a conference and I see a name, should I be like, oh, I have to see that presentation or I have to go to that workshop? You know, any recommendations? Um, oh, how am I going to try? But we have, we have between 70 and 100 at each of the events. Um, there are some that are traditionally kind of more well-known that, that do a great job. Um, we've been trying to go a little bit outside the box with that, and that's mm. the move that we're making over the next year, is to try and bring in some folks that maybe people haven't heard of and or a little bit outside 
our field again to bring some some more challenges I'm trying to think of uh, some of the topics um, well and we broadened our our focus this past year to not addiction but and to include behavioral health okay so we are looking integrating some more behavioral health topics and there's some faculty um, that um, we're hoping to get for 19 that that have a uh, a great crossover that again we might not have heard so much about I know our call for presentations is open year-round we're, we're right now it's open for 2019 so and anyone can apply um, we find that if they're a uh, master's or PhD uh, nurse or MD that we're able to get most of the continuing education credit for them hmm. so okay. that's that's primary for us we're all continuing education driven so that's what it is but there aren't any barriers to entry for us to submit um, we actually have some tutorials that are going up on our website as to what the planning committee looks for and what the credentialing boards look for that can be kind of tricky but I'm always happy to walk through walk someone through um, I think the biggest misconception about that would be that I want to tell my story and help people for us we are unable to get any, well, I think for anybody pretty much, you're unable to get continuing education credit for that. We are limited to things in which directly impact the skills of a clinician. Mm. So that's pretty much what, what we need to do. So anyone's willing to, is, is open to present, and we're always excited for new people that, are, um, that would like to come and share what they do. Yeah, for sure. I definitely felt, at least at the last conference, that there were a lot of people that presented on you know new directions in addiction treatment, behavioral health, even marketing, ethics. You know, I, I appreciate the fact that you guys brought in people that were very knowledgeable, but just they weren't repeating the same things that we've heard year in year out. You know, they're talking about what's new or what's trending, um, and so providing a lot of new information, which I I found really valuable. Thank you. No problem. Well, I. You know, I think we've covered a lot of ground here. Uh, I really appreciate all the feedback, you know, the conferences in general. Like I said, I highly recommend people going to them, you know, and sometimes they get comments from um, owners, executives, directors, whatever, saying they're like, well, I'm too busy. I can't get out of my center. And usually my response to that is, well, if you're too busy and you can't leave your center for a day or two days, there's a bigger problem there. <laughs> you know, something. Yeah. yeah something is not working right. You're not delegating or um, things are not in the right places where you can't leave. So, and again, I think going back to other pieces of our conversation, the value that you get by networking with others and listening to what's happening in the field and listening to experts and people who have been there and maybe are where you want to be, like that level of value is so above and beyond worth it versus just trying to do the same old thing because you don't know how to do it any other way in your center, you know? Well, we hope that folks are challenged and that they are also, and part of uh, the C4 kind of thing is to create an experience for people. I, I know that our field is one that is under underpaid, a lot of times undervalued, and one of the things that we try to do is to really take care of people when they come so that they have a, um, a warm and embracing experience. We try to feed them really well. We try and keep the costs very low. We try and provide them 
the most continuing education to have them have the best return on investment. They, it is important for them to feel like they are valued and they have received good value. And um, any way we can try to do that is, is what we're doing. C4, for those that don't know, it's a 501c3. It's a nonprofit. It's a volunteer board. And there are six staff that run the, um, the education portion. That's it. So that's, that's, we are mission driven, passion driven, and that this is all that we do. So we appreciate anyone that takes the time to come and, and experience some of this with us. Well, thank you guys for all you do. I really appreciate that as well. I mean, cause there's some conferences out there that I'm not going to name names, but they charge like ridiculous amounts of money, <laughs> you know, and the C4 conferences are very reasonable. Well, we, we know who we want in and we don't want to be a barrier to entry to, to anyone. And we don't think that necessarily the most expensive option means has any relation to quality. Yeah, exactly. Well, again, I appreciate all the time. Is there any final words you kind of want to leave us with? I, I think I pretty much said most everything. We, we really hope. Um, well, there is one thing I'd like to leave there in a time when we are having a lot of turmoil in the field. Um, I think that it's just been my personal experience that there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of talk. There are a lot of people that are, feel sort of um, uh, that some of the, the whole ethics piece and the visibility of a lot of, uh, a number of people, I would say a lot of, uh, just it's a high visibility of a small number of people who are taking advantage of people in the field. It puts a pall over the rest of us mm-hmm. and that there are, um, it's a struggle for a lot of folks. So if we at T4 are really trying to do the very best job that we can do with very limited resources and um, we are always open to a conversation as long as it's one about moving forward and solving problems. Um, right. We aren't really interested in being part of the whole negative kind of piece. We know it's there. I just think it as we have been working for 30, 50 years to be taken seriously as a field, to, to have our place among the other industries in the country. And I think that we did not anticipate that like with every other field, there are sharks. Mm-hmm. There's people that come and take advantage. And I think that on one hand, we should embrace that because it means we've arrived. And I think we need to, to clean house and look at other industries, for example, of how they've managed to take care of the people that come in to take advantage of people. And I think that that's what I would like to be part of a journey of is trying to move forward in the in the best way we possibly can. So anybody that's interested in that, um, I invite them to to call us, to ask us to be a part of what you're doing, to figure out how we can all move forward in a positive way and um, know that that's what our intent is, even if you hear different. <laughs> that's our intent. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Well, thank you for those words. And I would add, you know, be, be the change you want to see, right? Some centers yeah. I found, you know, get stuck on, like you said, the issues and rather than actively working to, you know, change things. I mean, so we've got to take action. We can't just sit around and hope someone else is going to do it. Yeah, I would agree. 
So if someone wants to reach out and contact you, learn more about the conferences, about exhibiting, about speaking, anything like that, uh, how would they get in touch? Uh, best of problems by email. It's just D, D-E-E, at C4, that's the letter C, the number four, recovery.org. So it's D at C4, recovery.org. Okay, well, Dee, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Again, this is the Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm Nick Jaworski, and this show is brought to you by Circle Social Inc., growth experts and marketing experts within the addiction treatment behavioral health space. You can download this podcast and listen to it anywhere on Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, and basically anywhere where that podcasts are found. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you join us again for the next episode. Bye-bye.